How's everybody doing? Good. You guys okay? <laughs> I think everybody drank the monster drink. You know? <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Lewis. In fact, I was at the hotel earlier, and I was tempted to ask him if he could give me one of those monster drinks because I drink those a lot, those energy drinks, you know. And right when I pull up into the parking lot, that's the first thing that he gave me. Because <laughs> so he got God answers prayer, right? So, um... I just really want to thank Pastor Lewis. We, we had a good time at lunch, and some of you who, who've come and uh, have driven quite a bit just to come and hear some of these things. And um, I feel honored, folks, to be able to share the things that I'm just like you guys, that I'm still learning all these things too. And I've had some experiences that I, that I can share that maybe some of you guys could even teach me some of the things you guys have learned about God. You know, but what I want to do now is that I want to share to you guys the way that I understand healing. And I've been doing healing for about um, six, seven years. And at least in the sense that I've been practicing and teaching and equipping people to do these things. But in, within the past seven years, I've been through so many changes, even when it comes to healing, right? Because I've learned all the different techniques. I've read a lot of the spiritual warfare books and healing books on how you have to do such and such and then you get your breakthrough and things like that. Or I've been to those revival gatherings where you have to kind of prime the pump and kind of pull God down and do all those things and you have to fast and, you know, I got tired, right? I mean, I would, I would be there, folks, where it's like, and it's not bad to pray okay, in the morning, but I hope you get my point. I mean, I would wake up and go to church at six in the morning and just scream to the top of my lungs asking God to pour out His Spirit. Right, right. And there are times I'm just doing that over and over for about an hour before you know, we have to go to the service, and I'm just thinking, like, how long do I have to do this? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but that's what I was taught. Because you have to pay the price. Right. You have to contend. And I got really tired. And I just came to the point where I just said, you know what, I want to be honest with myself. You know? I'm not denying that I saw miracles during those times of revival, you know. But when I started to get this revelation of grace, that everything that I need, I already have. Yes. My friends were getting a little bit thrown off because I would do healing and I wasn't doing all of those things all right. to earn. You can pray if you want. You can fast if you want. But if you're doing it to earn, right. you're right. wasting your time. Right. <laughs> you're wasting your time, right? And so my, my healing is going to be a little bit different. And uh, this has been something that I've probably looked into for the past two years. That the things that, I, as I mentioned this morning, the things that I used to condemn when it comes to healing, I'm starting to embrace. And just like pastor, I was raised up AG, more, actually more word of faith-ish, right? I did all that stuff. My church was at the Dream Center in Los Angeles. So I, I know the whole charismatic scene of how those things work and you need to have faith and yada, yada, yada. But the problem that I've seen in many events, healing gatherings, number one, they'll focus on one person. Right? Yeah. That you need to come up to me and then I'll heal you because oh, I'm the yeah. anointed man who fasted That's for 40 good. days. That's good. Right? But the problem is, is that once you get healed, you go home and then you get sick again. So now there's this struggle now that you have to wait for the big healer guy to come back right. in town. Right. And so what I want to do today is that I want all the focus to be taken off of me and my gifting, whatever that means, and to let you know that everything that I have, you have it too. Amen. So all I want to do is just renew your mind. Right, I'm telling you folks, I've had gatherings and trainings in the Philippines 
where after I do a healing service, these people would have like 20 miracles in one week, and those miracles I haven't even seen myself <laughs> from these churches, especially the young people that just went gung-ho in their high schools. So I've seen how people can run with this message, right? And what I want to do tonight is that I want to, for us to understand that there's a sense of these levels of awareness that we have, these levels of consciousness. Don't be afraid by my language, okay? Don't be afraid by it. But these levels of awareness, of, of realizing what you have. Because it's yeah. easy for me to tell you folks to have faith. Many preachers will tell you, just have faith. But they don't tell you how to get to that point. Is that I want to help you with certain ways to get to that point of faith. So even later on, we're going to be doing some healing, which is good. <laughs> it's not just a teaching. But you guys are going to be the ones doing the healing. Now, with just a raise of hands without getting specific, uh, who needs healing tonight? Just raise your hand, okay? A couple of you. How many of you have a burden for somebody that needs healing and you want to be able to pray for them? Okay, there's a couple of you, and someone came up to me earlier, right? But here's my thing, folks. As I mentioned this morning, we don't need a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We don't need it. What we need is a greater awakening. A greater revelation of who we are in Christ. Because it's so silly, folks, when I hear people crying out saying that, you know, God's going to be doing greater miracles in the future. You know, folks, if that's the case, you should blame God for the lack of miracles that you see because He didn't pour out enough in our generation. But it's interesting because you see people from many decades ago who did raise the dead. But yet they were a rare jewel, Right? So did he really pour out back then or not? Or there were these people that had access to these truths? Because they knew who they were. They knew their authority. They knew their dominion. Yes. Right? And I'm telling you folks, it's not arrogant to know who you are. Right. Okay? So it might rub off the wrong way if someone thinks, who do you think you are? You think you could do this healing? Yeah. <laughs> it's not an arrogant thing you, you, because you know who you are as a son of God. Yeah. And many people are trying to get the God out there, the theistic God out there to intervene and to do something. And in many cases, folks, it seems like he's not doing anything. So then there's only one person to blame, God. So what I'm going to do today is that I want to give us some responsibility. Right? And I think this understanding of healing, to me, has changed my life. Because now I'm no longer getting the God out there to do all the work, and I just pray. But what I'm understanding is that there's this cooperation, there's this partnership that I have with God because we are now one. Now one. We are in union with God. Right? You get what I'm saying? And I want to, you know, I'm not going to go into all, a lot of the theological stuff that I do. Just if you want to check it out on YouTube, it's called Challenging Sacred Cows. So that's where I go through all these verses that we've been taught of. You can't do this, you can't do that unless you have this anointing, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And I'm telling you, I don't think so, folks. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Right? So once again, what I want to do is talk about miracles. What does that mean? I want to give us a different perspective that my language, you don't hear it a lot. You won't hear these, this kind of language a lot in, in, in Christian contexts. But I just ask, ask you to bear with me because this is the way I understand things. As I told the people I did a conference last week, I'm not here to just copy any other healer. I'm not here to copy the new grace guy or the inclusion guy that I watched on TV. I'm here to share how I see things, Amen. even if people get uncomfortable with it, right? But I have my own experiences of how I understand the world and how healing works. Let me put it this way, folks. 
I do not believe in the supernatural. I do not believe in the supernatural. What do I mean? We are all living in this universe that I believe God has created these ways or laws or healing has been built into this world. That if we know how to operate in it, there's no such thing as a natural and a supernatural. <laughs> it's just naturally supernatural. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And what people are doing is that they're trying to focus on these techniques. You have to say in Jesus' name. <laughs> Folks, now this might sound wrong, but I don't, I'm trying to make a point. I've done many healings where I don't say in Jesus' name. Right? Now, am I against that? No. But I am coming in Jesus' name. The point is not the method. The point is not the technique, or else you're going to stick with the same technique every right. single time. Oh, I must say Jesus' name. I must ask the demon his name. <laughs> you know, you, those things that we've been taught, right? And we're going to get so caught up in these techniques when ultimately healing is a state of being. It's a state of awareness, of knowing that you are healing. That once you know who you are, it'll just ooze out of you. Just like the people who touch Christ or the handkerchiefs, the things that you touch. It'll just ooze out of you, so to speak. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Just get straight to the point. Why does sickness occur? Okay. Why do we get sick? Okay. Once again, you don't have to agree with me, but this is just the way that I see things. What is the number one cause of sickness? And my understanding is this, that sickness, majority of the time, is caused by stress. It's caused by here. Okay. So stress is a result of what you think up here. Okay. Now, it's been said that 90% of all sicknesses are caused by stress. Dr. Bruce Limpton disagrees with that, and I would agree with him, that he would say actually it's most, more likely 95% of sickness is caused by stress. You guys know that when you start to worry and when you start to focus on the negative, it affects your body. This is the thing, folks. I want us to start reflecting on these things. Where when you, when you have something, when, you, when, when something goes wrong, or you get a bill, or whatever it is that makes you sad, and you start to stress out, things just start getting worse. Right? It may not always lead to sickness, but it could get there. Right? And so one of the things I want to talk about is just our mind, the way our mind works. The Bible talks about renewing your mind. Yes. So I'm, like, once again, I'm not here to give you anything. Right? Why would I try to give you something you already have? Okay? But I'm here to change your way of thinking and to put some responsibility upon us to understand that we can do these things through these laws. For example, a miracle, by definition, many people make a miracle as something that's rare, by definition. Well, then, if that's the case, then you should never expect a lot of, you know, it's like, then you can never expect miracles to happen all the time. Because by definition, they're rare, right? And many skeptics, sorry, my background's philosophy, so my mind thinks like this. Uh, in, in philosophy, a lot of philosophers de deny the miraculous because they think that it's a violation of the laws of nature, right? Because it's just natural law. Miracles don't make sense because it'll violate natural law. Now, here's my challenge why I don't hold that. That it's not so much that miracles violate the laws of nature, but maybe miracles violate the ways we, was, that, the ways that we once understood nature to be like. Let me say that again. 
Miracles do not violate the laws of nature, but miracles probably violate the way we once thought and understood miracles to be like. So miracles, and I understand that there's these laws that are built into this world. There's healing built into this world. If we can have access to it, that the Bible calls faith, then all things are possible. <laughs> you don't have to earn it, right? But that's the thing. Many people don't understand these laws. These, there are laws, folks, right? You understand that, right? There's laws of gravity, etc., etc. If there's a law of gravity, you drop a ball. Once it starts to bounce, eventually... It peters out, right? It stops bouncing. So eventually, whatever goes up must come down. But here's the interesting thing is, there's a law of gravity, but then there's a law of lift. How do you think we fly planes? So in other words, if you could access this whole idea of laws of lift, it supersedes this law of gravity. So we have these laws that we think this is a natural order of things, but if you understand the way these other laws work, these other laws can supersede those things. That's why with all things are possible with God, right? But to your science or to your mentality, it's not possible. Yeah, but in my world, there's no such thing. Amen. There's no such thing in my mind as being incurable. If we could get to that point where we don't listen to the doctors, where they tell you that that's an incurable disease, get that out of your mind. Because in my world that I want to live in is that there's nothing that's impossible for God. Amen. Right? Amen. But you have to get to that point. And, but we tend to t take these people as an authority. I'm not against doctors, okay? But you're getting my point. Is that when they're putting these limitations on God. I once heard it said that the only hindrance to healing is the fact that you believe that there are hindrances to healing. Wow. Yeah. So if you say, oh yeah, it's possible, but if you don't do this, then it's not going to work. Then it's not going to work. The only hindrance to healing is the fact that you believe that there are hindrances to healing. If you get rid of those hindrances... And you believe that with God all things are possible, then it's okay, you can do it. Right? And this is the thing, folks, we tend to compare these types of miracles in our minds where you look at somebody with a condition, maybe they have a back pain, and you say, That's easy. So you're just praying simple, you just put your hand there and be like, be healed. And then you see someone in a wheelchair or crippled or whatever, and then you change your prayer like in Jesus' name, get out. You know what I'm saying? Do you know why? Because we create these level of difficulties in our mind as if it's harder for God. Right? The only difficulty is not within God, it's in your mind. The way we assign it in our minds. Right? The Bible says, as a man thinketh, I'm speaking old school, as a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. In a sense, what we're experiencing is a product of our thoughts. It's the way you think. It's the way you see the world. It's the way you see God. Okay? What you believe and what you perceive, you will create. What you believe and what you perceive, you will create. Like I was at lunch, I liked it how Lewis was all pumped up. He's talking about how, I don't care about how the economy is. You're going to be okay. You're blessed. You see, folks, but the, the rest of America will say, no, the economy is bad. You're going to struggle. What you believe and what you perceive, you will create. What you believe and what you perceive will be your experience. Whether it's good or bad. Right? If you view your heavenly papa as angry 
and that he doesn't like taking care of you when you really need him, what you believe and what you perceive, you will experience. You could believe yourself as a sinner. You could believe yourself as not having enough power to heal. What you believe and what you perceive will be, not, it's not necessarily the truth, but it will be your reality. Are you following along, folks? Albert Einstein, I know he's not in the Bible. Okay. Albert Einstein had a very important quote. It says, the most important decision we will make is whether we believe that this universe is friendly or hostile. The most important decision we will ever make is whether or not we believe that this universe is friendly or hostile. Or in Christian vernacular, do you believe God is a good God all the time? Or sometimes. So sometimes God is good. Sometimes He likes to heal. Sometimes He doesn't like to heal. Sometimes He wants you to struggle financially. Sometimes He wants you sick. Sometimes He wants you to have cancer where you lose everything. And sometimes He wants you to die. How you perceive this world, if you believe that God is a good God all the time, will change everything, folks. It will change everything. Right? Earl Nightingale once said, see, and I'm not quoting a lot of Bible people, okay, but these are people that understand healing. You become what you think about most of the time. You become what you think about most of the time, which confirms as a Bible, as a man thinks, so is he. Folks, there is something called a placebo effect, right? You guys know the placebo effect. Someone, a doctor gives you a sugar pill. It's not really supposed to do anything, really, but he tells you it's going to cure you. It's just a sugar pill. What happens when you start to believe it, when he could give you that suggestion, this will help, you'll get better. All of a sudden, there's a suggestion that's implanted into your subconscious mind. You'll get better with this. Watch this. All of a sudden, you get better. You didn't even realize it was just a sugar pill. I don't know if it was in 2008, I'm not sure. But it was, there was a nationwide survey that was done in America of at least half of the doctors in America admitted of giving people placebos. Do you know why? Because it worked. So isn't it interesting, you look at that, with the, there's also the opposite, which is called the nocebo effect. So just think of the placebo effect telling you something that you could believe and then you're going to get better. The nocebo effect is the same thing, it's just the other way around. Where you tell someone, hey, you're going to take this, you're going to suffer a lot of side effects from that. Or the surgery is not going to go well. Then all of a sudden, it doesn't go well. You don't get better even when you take the medicine. When you go around telling everybody, because it's always in your mind, hey guys, I'm sick. Please pray for me. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. And you tell it, please pray. I'm, there's nothing wrong with asking for prayer, folks. But when it's constantly on your mind, yes. as a man thinks, so is he. It's a powerful truth, folks, that what you speak about the most, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you thinking about? All the time. And believe it or not, a lot of people know how to pray. It's called worry. <laughs> right? Because they're constantly thinking about the bad stuff that's going to happen to them. I don't know how we're going to get this done. Or blah, 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 blah. You get what you think about most of the time. Or the Bible says, you get what you believe. According to your faith, be it unto you. Right? And many times what people have to realize is that in order for your body to be healed, you have to heal up here. So when you can get your thinking straightened out, of understanding the truth of who you are. One philosopher once said that healing is not so much about the power of the will or willpower, 
but it's knowing the truth that you're whole. The Bible says, by His stripes, you are healed. It doesn't say you're going to be healed. By His stripes, you are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by His stripes, you were healed. So we have these things that we've been taught our whole lives. The people telling you, you're, you're going to get this disease or blah, blah, blah. Stay away from this. Don't do that. Don't drink that. Don't eat that. Everything gives you cancer nowadays. Yeah. Right? I'm telling you, get what you believe. Let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> you get what you believe. Now, when it comes to this whole idea of when it comes to our words, our words are very important. Okay? Life and death is found in the power of the tongue. But I'm going to break this down for you because I think some people, even within the Word of Faith camp, I think some of them still haven't gotten what this means. Not everything you say will come true. Okay, let me say that again. Not everything you say will come true, right? For example, I'll get into that actually later on. There was an, uh, an experiment that was done with Masaru Amoto with the water crystal experiment. How many of you are familiar with this? So what happened is that what he realized is that human consciousness, prayers, whatever it might be, music, affects the molecular structure of water. So you put these cups, fill it up with water, and you would expose it to different types of words, positive words like love, God, thank you, and he, was also, he would also put negative words. He would expose it to prayers and different types of music, positive and negative, right? Then when he had the positive words, when, he, when the water became frozen, guess what happened to the water? It formed these beautiful crystal-like snowflakes when there was these positive words being put on these labels on these glasses of water. When he put these negative words like hate, kill, and all these other things that we would consider negative in our culture, right? All of a sudden, when you look at the water, once it was frozen, it was all distorted. It was chaotic. Now, if words and consciousness can do things like that to water, and our body is made up of at least 80% water, we better start speaking positively to our body. Yeah. <laughs> you see that, folks? There's an experiment that was done where they actually had human DNA that was placed in a subject's hand. And what they did is that they would put that, the DNA in a test tube and make that individual think happy thoughts. Actually, negative thoughts, painful thoughts. And you know that when you have painful thoughts, you're going to bring back destructive memories right? that bring you a lot of pain, right? So what they did is that they, they, they took the DNA, they examined it, and when they looked at the DNA, it was actually damaged. And it was just in a test tube. Wow. So what they did is that they put it back in the test tube, and they had the, the subject think positive thoughts. Happy thoughts. And guess what happened to the DNA? Healed. Folks, when you start to think negative things, worry, stress, it starts to degrade the body. Wow. Right? It's the cause, actually stress is the number one cause of cancer, folks. Stress. What goes on up in your mind? Because it's easy to look happy, right? throughout the day and kind of we could fool people <laughs> making them say but in our minds we're full of worry that does no good for your body for example if, if, if you love your child <laughs> I want you to think of your, your precious baby smiling right now or your son 
or I want you to think of your spouse who you love so much. What happens? You start smiling. You start getting happy. It's been scientifically proven that an affirmative or a positive thought is 100 times more powerful than a negative thought. When you have a negative thought of like, oh my gosh, I'm worried, I'm stressed, just think of something that you love. Your vibration in your body changes, I guarantee. I guarantee. This sounds kind of funny too, I just want you to smile right now. <laughs> what happens? Your vibration changed immediately. That's why people even fake smile, because they fake it until they feel it. It's true, folks. It's true. We've done that. I've done that. Because you don't want, you know, don't take this world too seriously. <laughs> okay? Right? Life is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. Okay? So when we speak things like, I'm always going to get sick around this time of the season. Oh, it's the flu season. Oh, everyone, when you go there, be careful. You might get sick there. You know, don't go in that area. There's a lot of germs, folks. You get what you believe. You get what you believe. I'm telling you, you have to come to this point where you don't focus on what you see. But there's this reality that can somewhat be even superior to the reality that you see with your eyes. Because if you pray for someone that's sick, you're not going to touch them because you're going to be afraid to get sick. So you have to come to that point, that realization that it's not going to affect you. And it's possible, folks. It's possible. Okay? Now, when it comes to this whole idea of faith, the Bible actually says, according to your faith, be it unto you, that when you pray, believe that you received it, and it'll be yours. So you ask, you believe, you receive. That when you're asking, I want you to already believe it in your mind, it's already done. It's already answered, folks. But what many people do is that they, they, they pray, and they ask, they ask, and they just wait because they just don't think it's answered yet. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not going to come then. There is a medicineless hospital in Beijing, China. Can you check, believe that? A medicineless hospital okay, in Beijing, China, where this woman was there with the cancer. With cancer, she had this, this tumor that was there. And the Western doctors, they didn't know what to do with it. So what happened is that she went to this medicineless hospital in Beijing, China, where they had three practitioners. Remember, they're not, I'm assuming they're not Christian. And as you were hearing our, the message this morning, God is inside everybody. So everybody has access to these things, whether you're a Christian or not. Okay? So they had three uh, practitioners that chose a word and tried to create a feeling that what they were praying for was already done. So you'll see there's a split screen, this image of the before image. You'll see the tumor, and then there's the screen in real time. You'll see it live. So you see these three practitioners just going like this. Wasa, 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 wasa. And they're doing that. And you could see in real time, the tumor shrinks in less than three minutes. And they're not Christian. <laughs> Looks like God loves more people than just Christians, right? Okay. See what I'm saying? So what were they saying? The gist of what they were saying was this already done already done already happened already because that was the word that they chose that would get them to believe that it's real now could you imagine that you, you could even hear their voices get louder and louder when it got smaller and smaller because they were getting pumped they were like what's up what's up what's up what's up what's up <laughs> like that and then it just disappeared folks 
When you pray, believe that you received it, it's yours. It's yours. If you were to always pray and say, one day, one day I'm going to be healed, someday I'm going to be healed, guess what? It's always going to be someday. It's going to be one day. You get what you believe. But if you could believe in the now, that salvation, salvation is healing in the Bible. Right? Salvation is for today. Salvation is for today. That if you could forget what you see in your eyes, that's why sometimes I'll encourage people, close your eyes if what you see intimidates you. Close your eyes. And believe that what you're asking for can manifest right now. Right? It's, it's amazing. And what people have done, and I've seen this along, especially in a lot of Word of Faith camps, and I've been there too, and I've seen a lot of people do this, where they get the scribbly notes, they put it on the little yellow pieces of paper, and they put these Bible verses on their bathroom mirror, on their computer screen, in their cubicles, in their offices, because they need these encouragements because they're struggling financially, they're struggling with health. And here's what happened, is that they would say these things like, I'm rich in Jesus Christ, by His stripes I'm healed. So they're confessing hundreds of times, thousands of times every day, but nothing's changing. And you're quoting scripture. So what's wrong then? So sometimes it would work when they quote these scriptures, but the majority of the time it didn't work. Why is that? And there was a common thread among these people that would quote all these Bible verses. They would quote truth and it wouldn't become a reality. And here's the missing part. That although they were uttering these words of truth, they were missing the feeling. They were missing the emotion behind these statements that they're uttering. If you're saying, I'm rich, and you don't feel it, do you really believe that? Folks, if you believe that you're healed and you don't feel it and you're not acting it out, do you really believe it, folks? Right. That's why we need to come to the point that when you're praying for something, you need to, quote unquote, feel the feeling come on. There you go. That's good. that what you're asking for already exists now. Amen. Right? So therefore, your healing could even be faster when you're expecting it now. Making sense? Yeah, this is faith, folks. Now, there's something called, we're all familiar with it, with genetics. And I'm here, along with other people nowadays, we're, we're trying to challenge that whole idea of genetics, that it's just, it's in your genes, right? Where basically, you become a victim. If cancer runs in your family, you're going to get cancer, because it runs in the family. Folks, if we have that mentality, if God created a world like that, then folks, then we would be victims. You get what I'm saying? But what if God created a world where it doesn't work that way, where we're not victims anymore? Amen. But He makes available this power for us to choose and to make choices to change our circumstances. Right? Folks, you may, you may not necessarily be able to change your circumstance right now, but you can change the way you feel. And when you change the way you feel, your circumstance starts to change. Because the way you're feeling. Right? So when you think of genetics, it's, it's interesting because they'll say it's controlled by the genes. Now the interesting thing about that is, is that there was an example that I heard one time on the radio, hopefully these are the correct details, where someone, uh, this family had cancer running in the family, and they adopted a child that didn't have cancer running in the family, and then they had that adopted child enter that family, that child ended up getting cancer. How did that happen? So he was talking about how in our environment is so important. 
where Bruce Lipton, I give credit fully to Bruce Lipton. I would encourage you guys to read his book called The Biology of Belief. It's what is called the new science, where they're challenging standard medicine, the way we understand things now. Right? It's actually not that new, right? but it's just not as popular as what we've been taught. Where genetics is where it's determined by the gene, but what happened is that he, as an experiment, he took a stem, one stem cell, he put it in a petri dish. And as you know, with a cell, it starts to multiply over time. So 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, etc., etc. So all of a sudden, you have a thousand cells inside this petri dish. So as an experiment, with all these cells, he divided it up into three petri dishes. And what he did was he put all the, those three dishes in different environments. And guess what happened? They all had different results. And people will say, well, it's just based on the gene. Well, you can't say that. Because it's so interesting that they all share the same parent gene, okay? Because it, it came from one cell. So in a sense, they're all identical, but the first dish formed muscle, the second one formed bone, the third one formed fat cells. How did that happen? It was the environment, folks. That all of a sudden they put these cells in a bad environment and they started to get sick and they started to die off. So what did you do? Do you take medicine? No. What they did is that they put that same dish, they put it in a healthy environment, and guess what happened? Heal. There was a healing effect on these cells. So what he's saying is that there's this new way of looking at things where it's something called epigenetics. Well, I believe in, in due time that you're going to hear more about this because more and more people are catching on to this idea of epigenetics. Epi just means above. So in other words, what controls your cells, the fate of your cells? if it's not your genes. And it's basically this, it's the way you perceive the world. If you look at this world and you see love, what happens with your brain is starts releasing these chemicals to your blood, right? You guys know that your blood is basically the, 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 the medium composition, right? Of what affects your cells from your brain to the blood and from there it determines the fate of your cells. If you see love in this world, your blood releases good things. I mean, your, 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 your brain releases good chemicals to your blood, right? Like dopamine and, and um, oxytocin and all these good chemicals that make you feel good. You know what I'm saying, right? So isn't it true, folks, that there are times like when you first fell in love, right? Weren't you healthy? You have, you have all this energy. Yeah, <laughs> same here. <laughs> you have all this energy. I remember when, when Remy and I first got together, we were in the Philippines. We lived far from each other. She lived in a place called Quezon City. I lived in another place called Mandaluyong. In the Philippines, the commuting there is pretty wild. Okay? I have to take at least three vehicles just to get to her house. Three different ones. You have to transport to like a jeepney. I don't know if you heard of a jeepney, a tricycle, a bus, and then I have to walk. Right? Same thing with her. She would have to do the same thing for me. And I'm like, wow, she did a lot just to see me. Whoa. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I, said, we, I mean, we're, we're still in love. Right? Now we live with each other. We don't have to commute, right? But it's so amazing that when I look back, when we had those late nights just talking and time goes by so fast. Because ha what happens is that when you're in love, when you see this world through love, when you see God through the perspective of love and grace, it starts releasing these good things to your blood. And it starts affecting your cells. You have all this energy all of a sudden. But when you open your eyes and you see this world in fear, 
It's going to re release these chemicals that are not good to your blood. It's going to release stress hormones, these inflammatory agents, and all these things that's going to e eventually affect your body. You see that? Right? So how you see this world, as Albert Einstein says, right? Do you believe that it's a hostile world or a friendly world? And that depends on how, what our theology is now. And that's why many of us who are getting a hold of this message of grace, that everything that you already have is in Christ, your worries shouldn't be there then. Right? But many people who think that God's out there and you have to pull His arm to get Him to bless you. Oh, it's scary. You will have no security because you always wonder, will God pull through? Right? Because you can't depend upon His faithfulness in that sense. Right? So when we think about this whole idea of genes, epigenetics, the power of belief, is, it's, it's wild. You, you guys heard those stories of people that walk across hot coal? They would walk across those hot coals and not get burned. How do they do that? Now some people say, well, that's fake. No, not all the time. Maybe there are some of those fakes out there, but they can really do it. So it's, the way it works is that they have this belief system that in their mind, they will not get burned. So therefore, they're able to walk across hot coals. The moment they doubt what happens when they walk across hot coals, <laughs> they get burned. Just like when Peter was walking on water, he was walking on water. But the moment he doubted, had their child smashed under a car. In that instant, they're able to what? Lift up the car. Because in their belief system at that very moment, it's telling them, I have to get my child out of... It doesn't matter. They have this super normal, supernatural strength. But if I were to ask any of you right now to lift up that car, that Honda or whatever that car is back there, you won't be able to do it because your belief system won't let you. Right? But it's, sometimes it's in those crazy moments, intense moments of crises, right? where all of a sudden you have this faith that's stirred up all of a sudden. Right? Then you have those people in the South. Bless those, you know, their hearts, those snake handlers, okay? <laughs> they like playing with snakes in their church services, okay? Uh, to each his own, okay? <laughs> and they would actually play with these poisonous snakes, and they would literally let them get bit, bitten. Because in their mind, their belief system tells them they won't get affected. Now, there are some who have. I don't deny that. But there are some of them, they would have no adverse effects upon their body when they would get bit like hundreds of times, folks. How is that even possible? It's because of their belief system. Even though us Westerners, actually Westerners, they're in, the, in America, you know, us people, we think they would be crazy. But in their worldview, in their perception, there's no limitations. They'll say, I won't get hurt. But those are the lightweights Bruce Limpton talks about. The real heavyweights are the ones that don't just get bitten. They actually drink straight strychnine poison. So what they would do is that when they dr drink the strychnine poison, which I'm not encouraging any of us to do, okay, right? <laughs> Josh told us we could drink poison. Okay, I'm not doing that. Okay. So they would drink the strychnine poison. They would drink it because they would tell themselves, I won't get sick. I won't die. Lo and behold, they don't die. Why is that? Because of their worldview. Because of what they believe. Paul was bitten by a snake. So it's not impossible, folks, to hear these weird stories, right? So once again, what do you believe? What are the limitations that you put on yourself of what you can eat? Especially when these people are drinking straight strychnine poison. Imagine, and then you have a doctor telling you, don't have too much sugar, you're going to get diabetes. Stop drinking monsters. It's too much. So, so that'll kill me, monsters, but strychnine won't? <laughs> you get what you believe. 
you get what you believe. Now, the reason why I wouldn't encourage you guys to drink poison or get bit by snakes because, is because in our subconscious mind, we have all these doubts. That's why I wouldn't encourage us to do it, right? Is that your subconscious works 24 hours a day. That 90% of our thoughts are subconscious, our memories, right? For example, you probably can't remember what you ate five days ago or what you wore, right? But 10% of our thoughts are conscious. If I ask you, when's your birthday? You know, what did you do for your wedding anniversary? Or something like that. When did you get your driver's license? You can remember. But the other thoughts, your subconscious thoughts, you can't remember it. Or at least it's harder to do that. And believe it or not, we've been so conditioned throughout the years where we have all these negative thoughts, these, these falsehoods, these beliefs, these experiences that we've had in our minds that therefore are more powerful than our conscious thoughts. That's why when we tell people, well, I believe, I believe, but your subconscious is actually stronger. And you don't even realize it. That's why there are times throughout the day where you would feel like, why am I feeling like this? I didn't even do anything wrong. But you're feeling these weird feelings of anger, frustration, because your subconscious is being reactivated again. You're having these memories come. That's a part of the subconscious, folks. And what we need to do is that we need to have these truths in our minds where it starts to resonate where these truths are so ingrained, where it starts forming these deep grooves in our subconscious, where it becomes real. Folks, because our subconscious is so strong. Now, it sounds interesting, because my wife didn't drive in Kuwait, so she's never driven. So she's learning to drive for the first time. Okay? So it's interesting, because when, when she's driving, she's, she's so conscious of the road, right? Because it's her first time. And we all know that when we first drove our car, man, it's scary when you reach the intersection, <laughs> you're like, you're scared who goes first, right? right? But isn't it interesting now, for those of us who have driven for so many years, right. you could be having a conversation with someone, you could be talking about theology or whatever you want, it's like your favorite hobby. You could be driving for like 30 minutes and somewhere down the road or when, at the end of the, the trip, I'll ask Lewis, hey, you were driving, what was on the road? And then Pastor Lewis would be like, you know, I don't know. Because <laughs> I was so conscious talking to my friend because his subconscious was the one that drove. It's the one that took over. Your subconscious, you just naturally learn how to tie your shoe. It's just natural. And I'm telling you folks, what's the problem in, in some of our minds is that we've all, like I said, we have all these lies and limitations that we put there, that we hear a sermon, I want you to believe. You'll try to believe, but it's hard because of your subconscious right. thoughts. I'm not saying it's impossible to heal. I'm saying it's possible. But that's what we have to deal with. There is a story of a guy. It sounds, this one's wild. It was an article in an English newspaper where he had this suggestion that he had in his mind for two years, where it eventually become, became ingrained in his subconscious. His daughter had a sickness, a, a, a crippling arthritis, and a skin disease. And he gave the suggestion to his subconscious saying, I would give my right arm for my, for my daughter to be healed. And he did that for two years. You see where the story is going, okay? So he gets in his car one day. He gets in a car accident. Then what happens? His whole arm rips off up until the shoulder. Immediately, the skin and arthritis disappears. Wow. It's amazing. Because he had this intense desire for his daughter to be healed, and he used these words that were so ingrained in his subconscious, I would give my right arm for my daughter to be healed. Mm. Folks, because that, believe it or not, that's how faith works, is when your subconscious will win. Because you could keep telling yourself, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, but your subconscious say, no, you're not healed. That's why I would challenge, I would encourage you with our language, is that many times you'll, tell, you'll hear people telling you, I want you to say I'm rich. I want you to say I'm blessed. I want you to say I'm, 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 
healed or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But because of this conflict in our minds, there's this opposition between what you're saying and what your eyes are seeing. <laughs> so instead of saying, if you're struggling financially and you're looking at your wallet and you're being told, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich in Christ, I'm but you're looking at your wallet, you're actually starting to feel worse. So your subconscious actually wins the day in that sense. I would encourage you to change your language. And I would encourage you to say it like this, because then there would be no opposition in your mind. I'm getting richer every day. So if you're struggling with saying, I'm healed, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but if you notice that there's this opposition in your mind between the conscious and the subconscious, where there's this conflict, I want you to say, I'm getting stronger every day. I'm getting stronger and healthier every day. Isn't there, it's kind of, there's a less weight on you? Because now it doesn't feel like you're lying to yourself, <laughs> right? I'm prosperous, I'm getting prosperous every day. I'm getting more business opportunities all the time. Right? But of course, when you're claiming it now and you don't see it now, it can become harder. So those are, those are just some of my tips concerning those things. Folks, there are people, there was a guy named Norman Cousins who wrote a book called Anatomy of an Illness. Amazing book. They even made a movie about him where this guy had this degenerative disease where it affected his spine. And what he realized was the power of his mind. The, the power of joy. Where what he did was that he watched his favorite movies. And every time he laughed, the pain would be gone. So what he did is that he committed himself to just watching funny movies. And reading his favorite comic books. Do you know why? Because it made him happy. Whatever makes you happy raises your vibration, folks. Right? And all of a sudden, he was healed. Very famous book that many doctors would give away to people, Norman Cousins, The Anatomy of an Illness. He says, I basically laughed my way to health. There was a woman who had, I think it was breast cancer. And what she did is that every morning she did not say, thank you God that I'm going to be healed one day. She said, thank you for my healing. And she acted as if she was already healed. She acted as if she was already healed. Thank you for my healing. Same thing as Norman Cousins. She watched funny movies. She submerged himself in her, you know, herself in happiness. Three months later, completely gone, her cancer. No chemo, no radiation. Laughter, folks, is the best medicine. Yeah. I'm telling you, folks, when you're feeling down, you're feeling sick, get up and do something that you love. Now, if you cannot get up because you're in your bed and you're stricken by some sort of disease or whatever, in your mind, start thinking positive thoughts of God's love. Or just anything that makes you happy, folks, it starts to affect your body. Watch funny movies. That's what we, I know this sounds like a dumb movie, but we love Ace Ventura. <laughs> so the other day we're talking about Ace Ventura. We're like watching it like at two in the morning, you know? Because we just love to laugh because it makes us feel good. Where you can just get a laugh. And when you start to laugh, your body starts to respond. Because you'd be quoting verses from the Bible all you want, but if unless you believe it, it's not gonna do anything, folks. Your words are empty unless you believe. So this comes down to my next point, which is visualization. And don't be afraid of that word just because New Agers use it and just because they got it first. <laughs> they didn't get it first, but I think a lot of them got it right, more than Christians. We all visualize, folks, all of us. It's so interesting because when we moved here to America a couple of months ago, most of our money went to our transition to come to America. But what we, so we didn't have a lot, whatever a lot means, right? So when we came to America, what uh, Remy and I did, we built this dream board, this vision board. We have three or four boards right above our bed. All the places that we want to go to, 
all the things that we want, that we need and want, <laughs> okay? There's nothing wrong with having wants. And then we have this other board called truth statements, where you say stuff like, money comes easy to me, or I'm happy. Just things that make you happy and make you not worry. Folks, when we put those places that we wanted to go to, like New York, San Francisco, we just were there a couple weeks ago. The things that we needed, we, we didn't have a camera. We didn't even have phones, because I came here to America with no phone. Both of us. We didn't even have a good computer. We put that on our dream board. We got it within, what, a month? All of those things, folks. With no money, in that sense, where we didn't have the money, whatever that means, right? God provided like that. I'm telling you, folks, dream. Have fun. Where do you want to go? There's nothing wrong with that. That's the thing, folks. It's the crazy people who dream that accomplish these amazing things. Look at all the cars that we have now. Imagine the person that started to develop the first car. <laughs> like, what's going on in your mind? I'll just stick with the horse <laughs> or something like that, right? <laughs> or some of the things. Or just imagine the camera. One day someone's thinking, you know what? I'm going to freeze this image. What would, if, if I heard someone say that back in the day, I'd be like, dude, you're weird. I'm like, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden, we moved from cameras to video cameras. Now we have these technologies where you get to, you know, move your screen. I used to see that in old school movies when I was a kid. Now it's in our pockets. Michael Jordan would always talk about how he would always visualize himself shooting the last second shot. And you guys who watch basketball, right? Oh, you do, right? That's what happened with Michael Jordan. So many athletes do that, folks. Before they enter a game, they visualize themselves winning the championship. So some people who are skeptics will say, well, Josh, everyone does that, but there's only one winner. My question is this, who wanted it the most? Who wanted it the most? So when it comes to, uh, for example, Joseph Prince, you guys know Joseph Prince? Joseph Prince talked about how when he was young, his dream car was a Honda Prelude. Okay, that's like a young person's car, right? It's like, that, was, that was an old school car. And that what he did is, that since he didn't have the money, he saw a guy that had the exact car that he wanted, Honda Prelude. So he asked the guy, can I take a picture with your car? So he took a picture with that car, and every day he would just look at it and say, that's my car. That's my car. Then a couple months after that, all the money came in. And he even got a better model of that car. His pastor is Pastor Mark. I don't know if you guys know his church. Pastor Mark used to be very overweight. Now here's the interesting thing is, a lot of people in the church didn't know he was overweight. So he took this picture of a guy with a nice body. And I think he put it, he looked at it every day in the bathroom saying, that's my body. And to make it even more interesting, he decided not to diet. Or to even work out to make it more interesting. And lo and behold, he lost all the weight. I'm telling you, when people tell you this will make you gain weight, this will make you lose weight, you get what you believe. It's so weird, folks, when people tell you don't eat carbs. And then in a book in the Philippines, I read a book saying, eat carbs, it'll make you lose weight. <laughs> Who do you listen to now? <laughs> you get what you believe. But I'm telling you, folks, we, we could, in a sense, create this reality for us. Where we're so powerful because of who God is in us. That we can create, you don't have to predict the future, you can create the future, folks. You can create it. You can be or do whatever you want in this life. Don't give up dreaming. Don't give up dreaming. That's why when Lewis was sharing us a story about how he wanted to do this whole church thing, he just went for it. But some people will be like, I don't want to do that. I, you know, I might fail. You know, we could have those mentalities, folks. Go for it, man. Go for it. So when you see healing, folks, 
When, when, when you see someone that's in front of you who's sick or they have a condition, I want you to see it in your mind's eye. Seeing them whole. Seeing them heal. Seeing them coming out of their bed. There was someone who had this severe eye problem where the doctors told him he needed to have an operation. So what he did every day for five minutes before he would go to bed, you guys know that your mind tends to be more receptive when you're in a drowsy state, like when you're going to sleep, which is pretty much hypnosis, right? When you're in that kind of drowsy state before you go to bed and you start hearing these truths, you tend to absorb it a lot better because your mind's not arguing against it, right? Your conscious mind, right? So every night, this guy would just tell himself, well, my body can heal itself. So he would visualize going to the doctors and visualize the doctor looking at his eyes saying, a miracle has happened. And he did that every day. Then what happened, as you can tell from this story that I'm sharing, he goes to the doctor. The doctor said, this is a miracle. His eyes were healed. What you can see here is through the eyes of faith. Faith sees the end from the beginning. Your eyes see this reality here. I'm telling you, there can be a greater reality. It's a substance, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's why when, when some of you guys have seen some of my healing videos, right? Of course, it's so intimidating to just go up to somebody and, and you see their condition and you feel like, oh, oh man, this, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> but I always tell people, when I pray for the sick, I actually see them healed already. But they don't know it yet. So when I make contact with them, my vibration or whatever you want to call it, raises their vibration, their, their body gets healed. Folks, don't be intimidated by what you see. But if you do, close your eyes. And I want you to see what you want to see happen. Amen. To the point that where you don't just see it, but you feel it. Where you feel the feeling of what you want to see. And I'm telling you, that's when faith starts to manifest. Because faith can go against what reason and your senses see. But I'm telling you, when you have faith, there will be results, folks. There will be results. Right? Now, this whole idea of what you focus on, this is very important because I, I've heard people even mention this, that whatever you focus on, you will get, even if you focus on the negative. This is how, the way the law works. When you tell a Christian, hey, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. Folks, what's going to happen? You're going to sin. <laughs> but even if you tell himself, don't sin, because his goal is not to sin, and that sentence is, don't sin. The focus is sin. Therefore, you will sin. That's right. Whatever you focus on, your subconscious can't tell the difference between good and bad. Right? So when that word sin is there, whether it's positive or negative, it's still sin. If, if you're playing basketball, do you focus on where you don't want to shoot? <laughs> you focus on the hoop. Right? When you tell your kids, hey, don't play in the street. Stay out of the street. What image goes into your kid's mind? Does he see the sidewalk or does he see the street? He sees a street. Don't focus on what you don't want. There's a saying that goes like this. What you persist, what you resist, I'm sorry, what you resist persists. What you resist will persist. If you're against war, don't focus on being against war. Focus on peace. If you're against abortion, focus on life. If you're, fo if you're against sickness, focus on health. When you constantly say, I'm not going to get sick, I'm not going to get sick, I'm not going to get sick, you're still focusing on sick. Right. I will not be in debt. I will not be in debt. Well, guess what? 
you're going to be in debt because you're focusing on your lack. You're, you're afraid. Focus on health. Focus on your wealth. Focus on your well-being. You don't have to get so specific with your conditions, folks, in your body. Because a lot of people, they like to attack. It's like you have to be a doctor when you do healing. I command the lower lumbar of your spinal. You know? And you know, folks, I did that. I did that for a couple of years because I was taught that. You have to be specific. Cast it out. But folks, your mind knows how your body works. If you could just focus on healing and focusing on well-being. Yes. It'll take care of everything. Yes. Focus on health. Focus on life. It'll nail all the organs that need to be healed, so to speak. Right? Okay? It's powerful. <laughs> it's powerful. So once again, don't focus on what you don't want. Focus on what you want. Okay? Because then what you want, that's what you're going to get. Now, I'm not going to negate medicine. But there's going to be a serious problem when we, if, if more and more people get a hold of this message. There will be a loss of power and a loss of money when it comes to the medical world, if people are not going to get so focused on buying the latest drug to cure you of something, right? Now, once again, I'm just going to clarify so people don't chew me out on this. I'm not against the medicine you guys take in case. But I want to encourage you that before you take medicine, try healing yourself. Don't just be like, Hey guys, can you please pray for me? Oh sure, what are you doing? I'm going to the hospital right now. <laughs> you know, it's like they're already on the way of doubting. <laughs> and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you to heal yourself. Because that's the problem with a lot of people. They could heal other people, but they're having a hard time healing themselves. But when the anointed, once again, the anointed guy is not there, the healer is not there, who do you have? Right. You got to get this message, folks. So when it comes to standard medicine, the way they do things, folks, this is what, I, what I've noticed. They tend to focus on how to get rid of the disease. For example, when you have cancer, standard procedure would be how can we, get, how can we kill the cancer cells? But they don't focus on what caused the cancer. So what does all that stuff do with the chemo? When you get caught up in all that stuff, folks, it'll kill, it kills, right? It's, that, that's why it's, it's, it's almost barbaric when you think about it. Right? Where it kills and you lose your hair and everything. And it could kill probably about 60, 70, or 80% of your cells. But remember, it multiplies. Your cells keep multiplying. Right? So unless your immune system wins, you're going to die. And instead of getting so focused on how to kill those cells, which is actually killing you, which is the irony, right? focus on the cause of that sickness, which is a peer. Anita Morjani, this one lady, has this amazing story where it's called Dying to Be Me, where one of her biggest fears was getting cancer. And guess what she got? Cancer. And I believe she lost two people to cancer. So that what's even uh, made her more scared. So there she was. She was dying. She became very, very skinny, right? And she was losing her health. And I'm telling you, when you fall into that state of sadness and depression and you lose all hope, you're not going to get any better. But here's when she started to get a little bit better is that when she went to this one place and her, her, this one guy came up to her and she told him that she has cancer. She says, no, you don't. She says, yeah, I do. The doctors confirmed that I have cancer. She says, no, you don't. His cancer is just a word. It's just to scare you. What you have is it's an imbalance in your body. And folks, just hearing that alone, doesn't that kind of give you some hope? All of a sudden, your vibration in your body changes where you're not scared anymore. But if you hear it in another context, you have cancer, you're going to die soon. You better start telling people and preparing your will for your kids. When you start believing that, it becomes your reality, folks. 
What happens is that she has this near-death experience. Wild story. I encourage you to read it. This near-death experience where she felt this unconditional love, where her perspective changed. And when she got out of that near-death experience within a couple of months, completely cancer-free. It's amazing, folks. There was this one guy who, there was this one story that I heard of this guy who died from cancer. He basically had a black lung on his, he had a, had a black spot on his lung because he had lung cancer. Now, this is wild, right? So he died when he found out that he had this lung cancer. He died within three weeks. So here's this guy who, who passed away. They go through his office to clean it out. But they found in his office old x-rays from 20 years before. And guess what was on those x-rays? The same black spot on his lung. But it wasn't until he was told, you have lung cancer, you're not going to live. His mind took over. I'm telling you, that's why we have to be so careful with our words. Saying, you're going you're gonna to get diabetes. Or when you're telling everybody you're going to die soon. You're going to create that reality for yourself, folks. Speak to your body. If you're embarrassed to speak aloud, do it in the shower. Right? I'm strong. Right? I'm healthy. Because if you say it out loud, people think you're crazy. Right? I have a strong heart. Whatever. Just speak life to your body. And let, and let your body be consistent with what you're saying. Let your words be consistent with what you're saying. If you're talking about you're your, your, your blessed financially, live it out. Don't be afraid to spend. Right? I'm serious, folks. You guys want me to talk about money? Is that encouraging? Money is always good to talk about, right? Okay. When, I talk, when it comes to money, the Bible says in Ephesians that basically every blessing is found in Christ. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Isn't it beautiful that he told the son who was very obedient, he says, son, everything that I have is already yours. It's already yours. Folks, since we got here, we've been so blessed. So blessed. And I could share story after story of how God has taken care of us, where we've never gone hungry, as Lewis has shared some awesome stories too. Where this, this is the moment where we believe and trust if God does provide. And what I love about the story of George Mueller, you guys know George Mueller who took care of hundreds of orphans. And there's this amazing story where he had this table set up of 300 orphans, all standing behind their chairs. And on the tables were plates, a mug, a knife, fork, and a spoon, but there was no food. <laughs> That's so wild, right? But he was known as this man of faith. So what he did was, there was this girl with him, and he said, watch this, I'll show you what God will do. He just prayed, Father, thank you for feeding these kids. Then guess what happened? Knock at the door, he opens up the door, it was the baker. And the baker says, you know, uh, Mr. Mueller, last night I couldn't sleep. It was really put on my heart to just make you some stuff. Would you need anything? And he brought, brought a whole bunch of bread for the kid. Then not too long after that, I knock at the door. This guy, it was the milkman. His wagon broke, and he goes up to Mueller and says, you know what, um, I, I got to lessen my load. Do you, would you like to use some of this milk? 300 kids, full. And this is how he lived, never asking people for money. George Mueller. Inspiring story for me when I was a missionary in the Philippines. Of not having to live in fear of having to beg God. But knowing that what you need, you already have. You already have. That you're not going to be blessed, you're already blessed. You're already prosperous. 
as we've shared this a couple of times, that once, once again, you're in this Trinitarian life of the Father, Son, and the Spirit where there is no lack. And if you are included in that life, there is no lack in your life. It's just a matter of what you see, folks. Don't focus on your radar, what you see with your eyes. Focus on the things that are unseen. In a sense, that could even become more real. It's amazing how God has created this world. Folks, it's not through your tithing. <laughs> you know, it's not like you bribe God. God, I'll give you this if you give me that. God's not like that, folks. You already have everything that you need, plus more. Because if He only gave you what you needed, how can you bless other people, folks? And I'm telling you, sometimes we could be, God doesn't want us to be stingy. He wants you to be, have an overflow of abundance in your life. So say that to yourself life is abundant, life is good. Everything's not going to be okay. Everything's going to be amazing. Change your language, folks. Change your language, folks. When you look at a bad situation in the email or you look at your bank account or whatever, you can look at the situation and say, you know what? I don't understand why this is going on, but I know everything's going to be okay. And just smile. Just smile. All of a sudden, you smile, you feel happy, and just do whatever you love because that you'll get your mind off the, the focus of all of those negative things. And that's what we would do. When we would have a problem, we would just watch a movie because that's what makes us happy to get our mind off the problem. And then all of a sudden, it'll be worked out. That's a crazy thing, folks, because when we tend to worry, we think we have to go into our closet and we need to pray and beg God. And I'm not against the praying, folks. But you don't have to always be so religious. Just enjoy. When you have a financial problem, should I say <laughs> Whatever situation you might be in, you might even be encouraged to just go on a vacation and not worry about your problem. And I'm telling you that when you're on your vacation enjoying life, everything will work out. All things will work together for the good. Folks. Now that sounds very irresponsible to some people. <laughs> but that's how we live. Because I'm not going to stress about life. I've, you know, why? <laughs> why worry? When you are worth more than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. My wife, almost every morning we look out the window when we eat breakfast. Not even breakfast. Our first meal is like at lunch. <laughs> okay? We look out the window, we see these birds on the trees, on the, on the wires. And sometimes you just see them. You, you can see them eating. Our Heavenly Father takes care of these birds. How much more are you? Once again, folks, God wants you to enjoy even if you've done dumb things, which I don't encourage you to do, but even if you have, His grace abounds. In fact, it superabounds. That's the Greek language. It's super. That's a funny word when I looked that up in the Greek. It superabounds. How can we put these limitations on God and say, "Well, He won't take care of me because I made a mistake"? Folks, that's how you'll understand grace. Is that when you made these mistakes, and then God helps you through those situations. Amen. Now I want to give you some practical advice. How are we doing with time? What time is it? So, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Monday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just joking. And everything's okay. Everything's going to be amazing. <laughs> right? Let me give you some practical tips of what you can do when you're feeling discouraged, folks, because it really does change your body language. For example, what I'm teaching you now is that your mind can affect your body. Right? But I'm also going to reverse it. Your body language can affect your mind. 
What do I mean? My wife, you know when you do a visa interview, because she's, she's not a citizen here, folks, so when you do that big interview <laughs> right at the embassy, you know, you, you could get really nervous. You know what I'm saying? And so when she did this interview, typically, if you're nervous, you're going to be like this when you're about to get called in, hoping you don't mess up with the questions, you know, to get your visa. So when your body language is like this, what happens to your mind? Stress. But if you change, and this is what Remy did, which I love it. It's so funny. She went to the bathroom. And she went, and she's like, yes! I got it! Right? And then what she did was, she found a chair, and then she crossed her legs. And then she put her hands behind her head like this. Because it's a position of power. When you start to do your body language like that, it does change your mind. When you lift up your head, don't you start to feel better? When you start to smile, when you stick out your chest and you don't slouch and just like worried and fear, when you're like this. So it's not just your mind can affect your body, but your body can also affect your mind. What I would encourage you to do in your situation, if some of us are having some really t difficult times financially or whatever it may be, relationally, here are some tips. Number one, lift up your head. Smile. Hug somebody. I love hugging my wife. Right? You know there's something about that, folks, when you just hug somebody, you just feel that love, you know what I'm saying? Take a walk. Start singing your favorite song. Right? Sing Katy Perry. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> right? Start singing your favorite song. Start humming. Be so silly to the point where you start even skipping or whistling. Just start acting like a kid. I was telling my wife earlier, it was so cool just watching some of the kids just drink their sodas. Out there, I was like, Remy, I was like, you know, Remy, I remember those times when we were kids, we just, after church, we just go to the store and buy snacks and junk food. She's like, we do that now. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Almost every night, we drink soda and we eat a bunch of chips because we just love doing that. We like eating chocolates, you know, because it's just like, you want to enjoy life. Take a walk, right? Like I said, get a massage. What I'm giving you tips on how to help you with your mentality, right? Dance, or as on YouTube, dance like nobody's watching. You guys seen those people where they do it in the store? <laughs> that takes a lot of guts. Okay, I don't know. I don't even know if I could do that, right? But just dance. You know, we've done that. I was singing in the shower this morning just to stay happy. You know, it doesn't even have to be a worship song. It could be a worship song, but it could just be a fun song that you love to do. Do that Tom Cruise thing where he's in his underwear and then he slides in his room. Dun, 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 dun. No, don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. Some of the kids won't get that, right? Okay. Whatever it takes, I'm telling you, you change your vibration because we're all vibrating. Our bodies vibrate, right? Because our bodies are energy. You change your vibration. You change your situation. Once again, you may not be able to change your situation right away, but if you could change your thinking Amen. of how you pursue, I'm telling you, those are the words that always stick in my mind. That's why I want to encourage you with those words. Whenever you have that situation, always look at it and say, I don't know why this is happening, but I know everything's going to work out. It always does. It always does. Speak that. It always does. And come to the point where you start feeling it. Amen.